Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. We are entering a new series. We're going to call it The Journey of Jesus. But as I was studying this week, it, I really felt like God was narrowing my scope to actually look at the final week of Jesus leading up to the cross. This is known as Holy Week or Passion Week. And so over the next seven weeks, we are going to look at the seven days called Passion Week. And every Sunday, for the next seven Sundays, or every, well, somewhat, I'll explain that in a second. But for the next seven times we gather, let's say it that way, I'm going to be preaching on one day of the week leading up to the crucifixion and resurrection. I want to read this verse to you today, and this is really the verse of the whole season. It's going to be kind of the banner we're going to wave over the next seven weeks, and and, and I want to speak to you about a little bit what it's been speaking to me about the past few months. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes this. He says, oh, death, where is your victory? And I, I like in, 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 the, uh, in a few other translations, he, he doesn't say, oh, death. He, he gets even a little bit more specific. He says, oh, grave. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you getting the power of this verse? Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? But thanks be to God that he gives us the victory. Therefore, now, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I'm here to encourage you today. Come on, be steadfast. Be immovable. Come on, be always abounding in the work. We're not looking to do less. We're not looking to be quiet. We're not looking to clam up. We're not looking to be fearful. But we're abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that what we're doing right now, it matters. Come on, it counts. It's worth something. That God's with us. He's for us. He's partnered with us. Today, I want to talk to you about the victorious nature of the cross. When I look at the last week of Jesus, I don't know what you see, but what I see is a strong man who's coming in to a place where he's going to fight a battle that he knows he's going to win. See, I I believe that, that Jesus came to earth for a fight. Now, you might think Jesus was weak just simply because he was meek. And a lot of times we get this picture of Jesus that's quiet, that's just chill. It's almost like he's inhuman. He floats everywhere he goes, and he's got a robe. The robe part is true. Everything else, I don't know. The floating, I don't know. And and sometimes we just, we have a hard time seeing Jesus. He just seems so gentle and everything. But I want you to know Jesus was a fighter. Jesus was a rebel. Jesus was not nervous, quiet, back down, unsure, mediocre. That's us. That's not Jesus. Jesus Jesus was the conquering king who left his throne on heaven to establish a throne on planet earth. You got to know Jesus was a fighter. And when he came into his final week, he came like a fighter entering the ring, facing an opponent that he knows he's going to beat. He walked in with strength. 
Now, he wasn't a fighter against people because we know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle against principalities, powers, the enemy that sets himself up in a high place. But Jesus is higher and greater and more powerful than any enemy, and he comes to win. He comes to win. you got to understand this because this is the Jesus you believe in. This is the God that you're following, and you better know the 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 elements that make up his nature, Jesus was, for lack of a better term, he was a winner. He was not unsure of this. He walked into the ring knowing this opponent's already down. He just doesn't even know it yet. And so the week leading up to it, I get excited for it because I want to see what was he doing knowing he was coming as a, as a king who was going to conquer. you got to understand, even when Jesus first arrived on earth, when he was just a baby, a child, All of heaven opened up and the angels arrived and they said, the king has arrived. Before he ever did anything, he was the king. Before he did anything, heaven was his messenger. Before he did anything, why? Because he was born with the authority. He was born as a conqueror. He was born not a prince, but a king. He arrived this way. And so when he was heading towards the cross, he wasn't unsure of what was going to happen. He knew, I'm going to gain victory through this thing. This is, this is what I would propose to you today. I would propose to you that, that victory was always the outcome of the cross. It was always going to be the outcome of the cross. Jesus knew his mission. His miss, mission was to reunify you and I. And he knew his destination. And make no mistake, his destination was never death. It was always you. He was walking towards you when he was walking towards Jerusalem. He was walking towards your family. He knew your name. With every step he took, he recited the names of the people that he was going to rescue. He says to God, of all that you've given me, I haven't lost one of them. Not one of them has ever escaped. Not one of them has ever fallen back that was given to God. God says, I've rescued every single person I've ever been put on earth to rescue. That includes you. That includes me. Jesus walked with purpose. Jesus walked with authority. Jesus walked with finality. Jesus walked with strength. Jesus walked with faith. Jesus walked as a conqueror walks in. He was not afraid of the plans of the enemy. He was not nervous of the schemes of men. He was not unsure of his calling and his reason to be here. Hear me, victory was always the assured outcome. It was always the assured outcome. I I think that this matters because we got to know that God that we serve, we got to understand why we're celebrating in this Easter season that Jesus came and he died, but he resurrected. And I want you to understand the resurrection was merely the revealing of his nature. Resurrection was a revelation. It's not like Jesus died and then when he resurrected, now he's actually God. He was God in the beginning. He'll be God in the end. He was victorious in the beginning. He'll be victorious in the end. Death was only the mode to reveal who he really was. Think about it. When, when, when Mary, his mother, came to him before, because she knew something was different about him, before he'd ever done anything, she said, she said, will you please do something about this wedding? We're running out of wine, and you can change things. And Jesus says, this is not my time. In other words, he had the power. It just wasn't the time for you to see it yet. See, Jesus was holding back. For three and a half years, can you believe it? He's healing. He's casting out demons. He's lifting people from the dead, and all of that is Jesus holding back. 
because it's not yet his time to reveal his nature. Even death was a choice for Jesus. He was holding back that whole time because it had not yet come his time to reveal who he really was all along. Resurrection did not happen to Jesus. Did not happen to Jesus. He was the resurrection. It's his nature. Because see, you got to get this right. You got to understand because it's not like Jesus was down and out and done. But thank God something miraculous happened. No, he, he is the miracle. Remember when Lazarus died, Jesus showed up and he resurrected him from the dead. And, and, and Martha comes to him and asks him what this was all about. And Jesus, he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. It's not something I do. It's something I am. Do you remember what the woman with the issue of blood just touched his garment and he said, virtue left me. In other words, it was in me. I don't just heal. I am healing. I don't just love. I am love. I don't just forgive. I am forgiveness. His nature is resurrection. The grave could never hold him. He allowed the grave to have him for a day. He allowed the grave to have him on that Saturday, but only because he allowed it. See, he was so powerful. He was so mighty. He had to allow. He had to allow death to happen to him because who he was was the resurrection and the life. Listen, let me show you this verse. In, in John, where he's speaking to Martha, he says, I am the resurrection and life. See, the life part is important because what good is resurrection if you're resurrected only to die again? Jesus says, I'm more than just resurrector. I give eternal life. In other words, he brings you out of death but he brings you not, not into temporary life where you'll die again. He brings you out of death into eternal, powerful, almighty life on top of life on top of life. And then he says, in whoever believes in me, whoever is a big word, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. Sounds opposite of what, I, what I've experienced. Sounds opposite of what I've always seen. I thought death was the end. Death was the final Death meant it was over. But Jesus is saying, but if you believe in me, even though you die, you're going to find life in that process. And everyone, come on, say everyone, who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? See, your mom, your dad can't answer this question. Your wife, your spouse can't answer this question. Your coworker, your boss can't answer this question. You've got to answer this question. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Not just for him, not just for them, but for you. One man died so that all men and women might live. I think my problem when I approach this subject is that I, I think many times we, culture, we present the crucifixion as a defeat. Just in our, in, our, in our belief, in our music, sometimes even in our worship, our films, our art, even in preaching, sometimes we present the crucifixion as the saddest day in history. That it was terrible. That no one could have seen it coming. That all of heaven was in mourning. That it was so, so sad. When I think the reality is, it was the most victorious day in history. 
It was the greatest day in history. We don't call it Sad Friday. It's Good Friday. He was bruised, but he was never defeated. He was hurt, but he was never conquered. He was whipped, and he was beaten, and he was, he was, he was persecuted, but he was never, ever knocked out. He was never knocked out of the fight. I'm here to tell you, Jesus was completely victorious. He was completely victorious. you got to understand this about the God that you serve. He was completely victorious. Every millisecond, every minute, every day, every hour, everywhere he went, every single thing he did in the fight that he had with the enemy, and it was a fight, he was completely victorious. It's not like the enemy won and then Jesus mounted a comeback. The enemy lost the moment Jesus died. Because through his death, he defeated death once and for all. Jesus was completely victorious. Think about it. When Jesus was on the cross, the final phrase he said was, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. In other words, death wasn't allowed to touch him until God gave it permission to. Into your hands I commit my spirit. It wasn't, it wasn't that death overcame him. is that he gave up his spirit. He allowed his spirit to go. Jesus had so much authority over death, it had to wait on the side of the cross until Jesus says, okay, now, you can have your turn. But see, the phrase that he says before that, it sets up that phrase. It matters so much. Before he said, into your hands, I commit my spirit, he said the phrase that would resonate and ring out through all of eternity, it is finished. It is finished. It is accomplished. Listen, the deed was not half done. It was fully done. The work wasn't unfinished. It was fully finished. I remember when my wife gave birth to our child. When the baby was out and in her arms, she says, it is finished. She didn't say that in labor. She was saying other things. Mostly aimed at me. But see, when the, when, the, when the work was completed, that's when you're able to rest. Jesus said it is finished because he meant it. It is accomplished. It is done. It is over. So, so that means that, means that, that Jesus' death was actually a victory. It's amazing. He turns the whole concept on his head. I, I thought that that was the low point. I thought that that was the defeat. I thought that all of hell was rejoicing and all of heaven was nervous. I don't think that's the truth. Otherwise, Jesus would have said, uh-oh, somebody help. Jesus would have said, I've got more to do. Jesus would have said, I hope this works out. But he didn't. With all the authority and all the knowledge in heaven and earth, he says, this is the act. And it's accomplished. See, when God created the heavens and the earth, he created these things, and he says, it's good. Do you remember? Day one, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Day five, day six, it's good. But you know what he never said? He never said it was done. It was good, but it wasn't done. It wasn't until the word became flesh and said, now creation is completed. Now there's reunification with the Father. Now the whole earth will come under my authority. Now it is finished. 
You might not understand how it's finished, but that doesn't make it not finished. You might not be able to see how it's, not, how it, how it's going to work out, but that doesn't mean that God has not already worked it out. It's finished. The reality is everything went according to plan. Everything. Every minute, every moment. Every step that he took went according to plan. You got to understand this. You got to understand this. Jesus chose death. He chose it. He allowed it. He was the infinite, overwhelming, incredible beginning and end. He was a maker of heaven and earth. He allowed death. Pilate says, I've got authority over you. Pilate was getting frustrated with Jesus. And he says, don't you know that I have the authority to crucify you or release you? And Jesus says, you have absolutely no authority over me except for that which I gave you. He chose this. He chose this. Jesus had to, Jesus had to pull his punches to allow death to think that it won. But victory was coming on Sunday morning. It was always God's plan. It was always God's plan. I want you to know God has a plan for you. And it's a good plan. And everything, everything is going to work out according to God's plan and God's purpose for his people. God has a plan. God has a plan. You might say, well, I, I don't understand it. That doesn't change the reality of it. Well, it doesn't look like it. That doesn't change the nature of it. He's got a plan. See, when the fall happened, that's instantly where God lets us all know what his plan is. He says to the, the serpent, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. A bruised heel is recoverable. A crushed head, that's final. I want you to know it is finished. It's amazing. God tells that plan all the way at the beginning. And here Jesus was coming, but that was the plan all the way through time was that Jesus was going to come and be victorious. Everything went according to plan. Jesus even tells his plans to his disciples. He's going, Jesus over and over tells his disciples, he tells them, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be given over to the religious leaders. They're going to crucify me. And three days later, I'm going to be risen. I'm going to rise from the grave. Can we all agree that that's pretty clear? Isn't it amazing that they missed it? Even though he told them, go ahead, go read, over and over. Do you know when he told them that? He told them that as he was walking towards Jerusalem, where they all knew that he was going to die. You would think all the pieces are there for them to understand what's about to happen. He says, it, oh, he keeps pulling them over to the side. Come here, come here. Here's what's going to happen. You ready for this? Here's the plan. I'm going to be given over to the religious leaders. I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. He even says exactly how I'm going to be crucified. Then three days later, I'm going to raise from the grave. He tells everyone the plan. Over and over and over, he tells everyone the plan. I don't know if, you, if you're into fighting at all, or boxing or whatever, but the greatest boxers of all time, they'll tell you the exact plan. Like, like when Ali was fighting, he had a string where he, he called out the rounds that he was going to knock the opponent out. Seven out, of eight round, seven out of eight fights, he called the exact round that he was going to knock the opponent out in. And then he went out and he knocked the opponent out in that exact round. The eighth round, he knocked him out a little early. He knocked him in the, the previous round, so it doesn't count. The greatest fighters will tell you exactly what's going to happen. Tyson Fury tells you the game plan. He goes out and, and makes it happen. They, they call Conor McGregor Mystic Mac because he goes out and makes it happen. God, Jesus is like a good fighter. He's telling you, I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. It's going to look like I lost, 
but I am telling you, I am going to rise from the grave, and I am going to defeat sin, hell, and the grave. He tells everyone the plan, and then he goes out, and he does it all the way through. He does it, and and the disciples are unsure about the victory, but can I tell you that doesn't change the reality of the victory. Listen, just because you can't see it or understand it doesn't change the reality of what's happening. Look at what Paul says. Paul is so, Paul is so consumed, so assured with this victory. This is, this is how he now treats the opponent of death after Jesus. He, he begins to taunt it. He, he says, uh, that's 1 Corinthians 5. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. We used it earlier. Let's jump, jump right back up to it. There we go. You guys are fast. Thank you. Look, at look. he says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Can I tell you an opponent you don't want to taunt? One that has won every single round with every single person ever. Death is the most democratic of processes. And here Paul believes so strong in Jesus' victory that he begins to taunt death. He's saying, you got nothing on me anymore. You got nothing on, he looks at the dragon of death and he calls it toothless. He looks at the lion of death and he calls it old. He says, you got nothing on me anymore. Oh, death, where is your victory? I think of a, a famous fight. You might know this. A lot of my uh, illustrations are fighting today. Um, you know, Ali versus Foreman, the rumble in the jungle. Everyone thought Foreman was going to knock Ali out. He knocked out 25 of his last 25 opponents. But when he was having Ali on the ropes, every time he'd throw everything he got, Ali would pop up from his, his gloves and he'd say, is that all you got, George? Then he'd go be back down under his gloves for three rounds, just that all you got, George? And then when he popped back, he would recite poetry, making fun of George as George Foreman, one of the greatest heavyweight knockouts in the world, is throwing punches at him. I want you to know, after Jesus defeated sin, death, and the grave, it no longer has the ability or the capacity or the fury or the, or the authority to beat you. Therefore, right? Therefore, Paul pops up and he's saying, is that all you got, death? He begins to mock the very thing that's coming for him. Why? He says when Jesus died, he removed the stinger from death. Yeah, you might have to go through it, but it's now a transition. It's not a defeat. It's a transition. It is not a finality. Anyone that is within Christ will not taste death. They walk into a new aspect of eternal life because everything went according to plan. Even when you don't understand it. Listen, even when you don't understand it, that doesn't change the nature of what's happening. I think about the disciples. Jesus told Peter, you're going to betray me three times. And Peter said, never. These guys might, but I'll never do it. And then sure enough, he betrayed him three times. And on the third time, he locked eyes with Jesus. Jesus told him what was going to happen, but yet he still, still had to go through that process. Think about John, who's standing at the foot of the cross, and he's looking at Jesus, and, and he's seeing him crucified, and he's overcome with fear. The disciples are hiding in the upper room. Why? You think that they would remember the plan. But sometimes it's still difficult, even when we know how it's going to end, when we have to go through the process. And make no mistake, you are going to have to stare defeat in the face at some point in your life. And that's what John is doing. He's staring what looks like defeat. All the, all the other disciples think the cross is defeat. Even Mary thinks that the cross is defeat. 
The government thinks that the cross is a a defeat. I think Satan probably thought that the cross was a defeat. You know, the religious leaders all thought the cross was a defeat. But can I tell you this? People don't have the final say. God does. And even though, hey, even though you might find yourself in the in-between, that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan. And that doesn't mean that not everything is going according to his plans. Just because you don't understand it doesn't change the nature of what's happening. So, so they couldn't get it. And I can't, I can't judge them because I know how the story ends too. Like Billy Graham said, I've read, the final, I've read the final chapter in the book and I know how it ends. We win. But sometimes that knowledge just gets blurry when I'm going through what looks like defeat, what looks like hell. John's looking at the cross and he's saying, this, this isn't what I expected. I expected the Savior to conquer Rome, not for Rome to put him up on a tree. This seems backwards. I wonder how many times we miss what God is doing because it doesn't look like what we expected him to do. I wonder how many times we miss that God's answering one of our prayers simply because he's not answering it in the way we think it should be answered. The way we think it should look like in being answered, but we're so small and so finite. That's what I get out of this, that that the disciples literally can be told by Jesus over and over predicting the plans and still miss it. And we're no better, that's us. We can still miss it. We stare at circumstances of defeat and we think "It, it, it could be over for me. Or we allow fear to just come in and just take over. You look at the future and you think, but my kid's got to grow up in this. You look at your relationship and it looks broken beyond repair and you say, this this has got to be defeat. You look at, at your past and you see all the pain and you think, there's no way a God that's for me will let my life look like this. And it looks like the darkest hour. But just because it looks like the darkest hour doesn't mean that its nature is dark. I think light shines best in the darkness. I think God's still coming for you. Truly, I mean it. The cross was a victory all the way through. So even when it looks like you're in the middle of defeat, I want to encourage you, Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. Resurrection is on its way. Life upon life is on its way. Forgiveness and liberty and rescue is on its way. Whether it's in this life or in the next, eternal, abundant life is on its way for you. Jesus has never, ever lost before. He's not about to start with you. He's a victorious God. He's a mighty God. He's a powerful God. John chapter 16, verse 33, 
Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he says this. He says, I've said all these things to you so that in me you may have peace. I think we're searching for peace. I think, I think that's really one of the main missions that we have in life is just to find rest, peace, assurance. And we're searching for many of us in promotion or in, or in the economy or in government or in people or in relationships. And I don't know if you haven't figured this out yet, but peace is rarely found in those places. It's not found in possessions. It's not found in people. But Jesus is saying, I'm telling you where you can find peace. It's in me. Only the conqueror can say that. Only the true winner can say that. Only the victorious one can say that. Think of the confidence he has to say, let me tell you where peace is found. Eternal, consistent, overwhelming, abundant peace is found. It's found in me. I've been searching for so long. I've been in the midst of defeat. And Jesus says, but I've got a plan. And I've got, I've got prosperity. I've got peace. Stick with me. Because in this world, you will have trouble. You know, I'm thankful that Jesus doesn't sugarcoat reality. You know, Jesus isn't trying to get you to buy into some sort of a scheme. You know, like, come with me and everything will be perfect, easy, light, happy, unicorn sunshine, cotton candy, sprinkles, emojis. Like, Jesus was real. Jesus was real. And he says, listen, in this world, you're going to have real difficulties. He calls them tribulation. I mean, that's shaking. That's pain. One translation says you're going to have troubles. But just because you're in the midst of trouble does not mean you're defeated. Man, that was your moment to say amen right there. That little baby said amen to me. Just because you're in trouble, just because it doesn't make sense, just because it doesn't look good, does not mean you're defeated. Jesus says, be encouraged. Come on, take heart. Look at this next verse. Take heart. Come on, get back at it. Come on, lift your faith up. Come on, get passionate again. Why? Because I won. I have overcome the world. I've already defeated. I know there's trouble. I know it's difficult. I know there's things to fear. Violence and pain and plague. There's things to fear, but my fear is not where I'm going to put my faith. I'm going to put my faith in the only one that's deserving of my faith. It's the one that showed up in Jerusalem saying, watch what I'm about to do. And it might look like a moment for defeat, but that's not its real nature. It's not its real nature. Jesus could only reveal that he's life if he showed you what happens when death touches him. He says, I'm life, and I always was, and I always will be. Life forevermore. That's for you. That's for me. That's for our church. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Truth is awaiting its revelation. So I guess I'm here to tell you today, pray differently. Pray differently, church. Know the God that you are approaching is powerful. 
I don't know about you, but, but if I could just change my paradigm on how I look at the cross, I think it can change everything else. I think I would worship differently. At this Easter season, when we have Good Friday, I'm not going to make it all blood red and sad with droney music. And you come in, you're like, oh, can you believe what happened? We know what happened. He won. We know what happened. He conquered. I know what happened. He's strong. I know what happened. He's victorious. I'm not sad about it. He finished it. And I thank God that he took the punishment that I deserved. I thank God that he took it upon himself. But now I'm not going to walk behind him in the cross weeping. He turns my mourning into dancing. And I thank God that death's got no sting anymore. That grave has no victory anymore. I could be steadfast. I could be immovable. I could be unshakable. I could be unstoppable. Not because of me, but because of he who has already overcome the world. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he's going to do it. I'm not going to put my faith in my fear or my circumstances, but I'm going to look at the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to look at it as a thing I'm unsure about. Now, he was sure. I'm going to be sure. Thank you, Jesus that you won the victory. Come on, can you just thank God? Come on, stand to your feet. Come on, lift up a praise. Lift up an offering. Come on, just tell God he's good. Just thank God. Come on, a little bit more. I know you gotta press a little bit, but a little bit more. Who cares what you look like? Who cares what you look like? To the person next to you, come on, thank your savior. Thank the one that endured mockery, that endured shame for you. I'm telling you, I'm not going to ever approach the cross the same way. Jesus was not embarrassed by the cross. He counted it an honor that he might do this for you and I. I'm not going to approach Jesus this Easter weekend. I'm not going to approach it like it's some sad thing. No, it's the ultimate victory. And Jesus chose. And he won. Think about this. Through death, he conquered death. He used death against itself. That's a God-level thing to do. He's a mighty, mighty king. So I want to pray that way. God, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know you are a mighty, mighty king. I'm small, and I don't understand it at all. But I know that you're for me and that you have already overcome the world. So I bring my child to you, Lord God. I bring his health to you, Lord God. I bring their school to you, Lord God. God, I don't know what's happening in the region. I don't know what's happening in the U.S., but I know, God, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Yeah, you reign over government, so I trust in you, Lord Jesus. God, I don't know what's happening with this doctor's appointment. I don't know about this report that I'm getting, but I know you are the great physician. Lord God. See, I'm going to pray different. I don't put faith in my own surety. I put my faith in the surety of the cross. It is finished. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.